And I call them devils because Kenny devils, right? Is any team, truthfully, I mean, hand in heart, any team who can plot and implement and take down clear at the moment, I, I do think it's Kenny. Join myself, Willow Callahan, along with James Skehill and Paul Murphy for the best insight this hurling season. You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. That performance is just lacked that intensity. Oh yeah, Roy Keane. He's even not, not even a mention of Roy Keane at this stage now. It's, it's so old news after what happened yesterday. The fact that he was sitting in the stands on Saturday. I, I saw Joe tweeting this, and I felt the same uh, in the moment that he was about to stick his finger up to the camera. Did like, but that was that was one part of it. I don't know if everybody actually watched the person sitting beside Roy Keane doing an old excavation of the nose, and then a bit of a roll, and just just before the camera goes, a flick, and you're like, oh my god! <laughs> but nobody really noticed because it's like Roy Keane sitting beside him, who's given his mate a bit of crap for something that happened and then turn it back to the camera and it looks like just about to give the whole stadium the fingers but it didn't happen <laughs> uh, yeah no unfortunately not go back uh, and check the nose picker though yeah no 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 nose picking allowed in public if you're going to do it put a tissue in front of it shield us from your disgrace <laughs> Um, is that like uh, some sort of metaphor for the Cork footballers on Saturday? Is, that, is there like a segue here that we're looking for? I mean, the Cork footballers, right, whatever the Cork footballers is coming, whatever's coming for the Cork footballers should be coming for the Mayo footballers. We'll deal with that in a minute. But like, lads, Mayo, I don't know, are, are, who's in red? Yeah, well, Mayo are in red. We're going to get to that in just a sec. But uh, the brawl is kind of where we have to, to start this morning as something, I guess, like, I mean, as, as far as brawls go, you'd have to say that it was probably... Uh, in the red as well because other than the, the eye gouge where were the flashpoints in this where, where, where ah no oh and I think you're I, th- I, I thought it was immediately into the top three or four Croke Park brawls come on like I mean so obviously the standard setter is 1996 yeah and you've done a whole documentary about it yeah and but so there, therefore that you're, was you're wedded to that right you, My, were, you, you loved that more than all of the other brawls because the passage of time has Ease the pain, etc., etc. Well, let me let me just pull back the, the let me pull back the curtain on uh, on yesterday a little bit. So the the tweet that wouldn't load for me because there was too many people in Croke Park was um, something I don't know what the caption was something desperately unfunny as per usual, which was like uh, this is masquerade between uh, a shamazel and a brawl on the spectrum. So I didn't actually I didn't even classify it in the tweet that never got sent as a brawl because I found I didn't see the eye gouge uh, actually happen. And uh, I just I just thought it was just like a, a massive situation of, of people pulling and dragging and those headlocks, those really annoying headlocks. Can we take the eye gouge out of it for a second? Yeah. And, and just because obviously that's going to be its own separate issue. It is, it's, it's horrific. It looks absolutely grim. And it's on the front of all of the papers. That's the very front cover, not of the sports section of the Irish Times, but of the actual newspaper itself. Uh, it's one of the tabloids. Uh, I saw is the picture and uh, it's Comer smiling afterwards I think so he doesn't seem to have been too damaged thankfully um, oh no Pete's Love Island is the, is the headline <laughs> uh, Pete Taylor got married again that's the only one the only of the front pages he was able to knock them off on that one and then I think this one is Sunday the Sunday shame gouging horror Mars game that's the, the sun so the gouge is absolutely despicable and we don't want to make light of the gouge and uh, there should definitely be a lengthy suspension handed down particularly because the person involved wasn't part of the match day squad and so therefore you know is this a legal issue should it be a legal issue should we start making a, a, a definitely all of that conversation should happen 100% but taking the brawl on its merits apart from that I think it's like it's definitely right up there right you've got you've got 
management from both teams centrally involved in the midst of it like horse and lads out of it being peacemakers before anybody before anybody before my phone melts they were, they were definitely being peacemakers but that immediately elevates it from just a, a, the, the two teams no? I, I think it felt elevated because of the context of it that we had just witnessed what felt at the time like one of the most spectacular collapses in a knockout football game or one of the greatest comebacks you're likely to see and then all of a sudden you have this flashpoint at the end where Armagh have got under Galway's skin and, and it's being manifested in a brawl you could make an argument that the brawl was just a really bad idea by Armagh and like I mean I don't want to say who started it but like it does feel like obviously the, the, the James Morgan yapping at, at full time is a central part of the, it's one of the matches that's used to uh, to bring this whole thing uh, to, to to fire, and I'm not sure if he had his time back, he would try and like that match again because coming back from seven points down late on, scoring two late goals, it's a pretty good way to get under the opponent's skin. That brawl, I wonder, at the end, does that give Galway an extra bit of a kick? Like, I mean, like you saw, you saw Sean Kelly's face when he saw the eye gouge. He was furious, yeah. absolutely furious with yeah. what he had seen, and rightly so. Like, he's bringing that energy into the dressing room at full time. That collective energy going out into to extra time. Like, I wonder, I wonder did the brawl actually serve Armagh well at all? Like, they are the common denominator with a lot of the big brawls you've seen this year. I can understand why you might try and uh, start a flare-up at certain points in the game to take the energy out of the game, to get under the opponent's skin, and Armagh do, have always been very, very good at doing that. Um, I, I'm just not sure that it actually... I think Galway might have been the winners, even though one of their guys got eye gouged. I think they might have been the winners as a result of this. I think it just completely, uh, I, I don't know, it, it gave them a, maybe an, an extra kick of energy. Maybe not. The, 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 the gap in between full time and extra time was extraordinarily long. Anyway, unbelievable. Like, it just was like, what are we doing? We're waiting and waiting and oh, waiting. Why, why do they go off the field? Like, why do they have to go off the field at full time in a game where it's a draw? Sorry, lads, you've got three minutes. We're changing ends. Away we go. Yeah. Like the and the, again, the uh, everything has has all been. T- telescope and the conversation is now like um, there are too many the penalties has become a big thing you're like ah lads shut up right we, we knew what the rules were in advance if you were if you were this exercised by it show up at congress put your hand up go to a, go to a meeting in your club and say I'd like to put a proposal for it because we all knew what was coming so just shut up about the penalties and get on with it for now if you want to change it let's have that conversation at the end of the year many other things happened yesterday of far more far greater significance than the penalties um, mm. uh, like I lost that there because uh, why didn't RTE cut the footage don't need people seeing this says David Tomney I'm like what imagine if they cut the footage of course we need to see it that's the whole point so what happened on TV like, like um, they were about to go to like, a break they were about to go to a break and uh, and then the, the fight started and they're like oh well we'll just, just keep an eye on this see what happens and then it kept getting bigger and bigger um, and I think it lasted about a minute did it longer I think my, minute, my video was a minute and 20 seconds right um, so uh, that is a lengthy enough brawl, and I just like with the amount of people involved, it, it there was like three mini shamazels within it, so it just kept the momentum just kept going and going and going until everybody eventually got totally exhausted. But like I mean, there's the, the just so many different elements of it all, like as well, even kind of that that instance earlier than that, where or was it earlier than that or later than that, where the umpire just told you know that, that, was down with that of, sort of thing. That was the end of um, normal time. That was in the normal time, right? Like, little, little did he know. <laughs> did he know what was about to happen. Like he, he's he is the guy who's at fault for this. He's the guy who uh, really wound them up. You can't tell us what to do, umpire. Is what our math thought. Like for for me, like it was it was quite unusual that this was a game that this this happened with. Like like at halftime, there was no sense of a 
of any sort of uh, nastiness going down the tunnel. This was a complete... The second half just took on a whole life of its own in this game. I thought the first half was grand. I thought I, I did see people at halftime like raving about the first half of the game. Yeah, I, th- I thought uh, it was fine. Yeah, like, I thought is. Galway were desperate at the start, and it was a it was it actually felt a little bit pedestrian at times that first half, and then the second half just took off like a rocket. And for me, one of the moments where I first realised that this was going to uh, have a little bit something spicy about it was when uh, Conor Mackin came on uh, with his goggles and immediately starts verbally. Uh, possibly abusing uh, the, uh, the the man he was marking, uh, arms around him sort of thing. The Galway man yapping back at him. I'd love to know what he was saying to him, but he was sent out there with a message to get right inside the head of the Galway man. And the red card, obviously, is a significant enough thing. I think Armagh felt particularly aggrieved when they saw it live. In the stadium, you don't know that actually the referee probably got it right. You just have no idea. Again, being in the stadium, being an inferior product to being at home watching on TV. like Sometimes. Come well, on. Like, I mean... What a call by Coldrick. Coldrick was refing it, right? Wasn't it? Yeah. Like, what a call to get that in real time. Because when I saw it, I was like, well, that's shoulder to shoulder. Um, but to make those decisions in, in real time is really, really difficult. There's an eruption of blood. I think okay, that helps. Okay. I that think that definitely good. helps with your decision. Is like, okay, there's blood. How did that happen if it was shoulder to shoulder? Do you know what I mean? It's like, well, how did he cut his head? Was it, was it a clash of heads? Because the, the Armand man definitely goes down and makes it look like there's a clash of heads. But um, I, I think that that. that gave him a bit of confidence that something more has happened here yeah and uh, it's it's not that uh, he's led with the head or he's led with the elbow it's that there's a recklessness to it and that's the bit that allows me to brandish the red card which was a correct decision like you have to say uh, Galway were clearly the better outfit over the 90 minutes of gameplay but are so flaky that they can't be trusted themselves like the one thing about the nastiness there was definitely an air where there was an off-the-ball challenge on Shane Walsh, which was almost in exactly the same spot as he'd been done last year by Mayo uh, in a very similar situation where he was he, like writhing in the turf, yeah. holding his, his uh, surgically reconstructed shoulder. And you're like, I mean, if this doesn't inspire Galway to go and fight fire with fire. But it didn't really. Like It, it seemed to just make them more retreat into their shell as the game went on. And then for Shane Walsh to be the player who kicks the ball across the field oh aimlessly to give Armagh the opportunity. You're like, well, this is, this is, as you said, one of the all-time great GA collapses. And for them to come out of that the other side, bruised and uh, still going, I don't know. I don't know what happens now. I don't know what happens now to Galway. I, I don't know what to think of them after yesterday. I, yeah, neither do I. I actually think we're going into a semi-final weekend, which is like Galway or Matt times too, where it, both games are kind of a toss of a coin when it comes to predictions and that, that's a really exciting prospect. Uh, y- yesterday, Galway or Matt was the most extraordinary GEA game I've ever seen live and it'll be it, it's something very, very, very dramatic will have to happen in the future for it to be topped. I'm not saying it's the best game I ever saw. As I said, I think the first half was actually overrated but it was the most extraordinary GEA game I've ever seen live and it probably won't be topped. The energy in that stadium was absolutely incredible yesterday. It was, it was our mad day. Yeah, it was just a sea of orange everywhere you looked. I've never seen, like, it was like a throwback to the 90s with the amount of flags that the Armagh people had clearly been instructed to bring into the canal end with them. And it was just this, this incredible, incredible afternoon. Like, on the, the Galway point, I really thought they were so bad in that first half, but yet they go in at halftime level. Like, does that actually point to maybe an element of steel that we're not giving them credit for? And And, and another, like... So, look, maybe that's just Armagh not uh, capitalising enough on their, I guess, a, a little bit of dominance that they had in that first half, not getting enough scores. Um, but there was something plucky about Galway going in at half-time 
level. Like, I just didn't think that they were, they were level pecking at all. I do agree, though, second half, I thought they were much the better team, as uh, was evidenced by being six, seven points up at, at one stage. Didn't they also have a late collapse against Roscommon that didn't actually matter because they were so far ahead? Yeah, Haven't they had though. these late collapses? Exactly. Haven't they had these late collapses over recent years? So, like, it's in them to do this. And if they can just get that out... Then they could win these games by seven to ten points. Like so, it's it's really weird. Um, and Why didn't Armagh kick the ball in long, high and know. long more uh, after they discovered that this was actually something that might uh, <laughs> prove fruitful for them? It, I just couldn't, couldn't get my head around it. Like um, it was a completely uh, anyway. You go and go and listen to uh, GA late night. Uh, oh, if, <laughs> if you want that is absolute essential listening. If you uh, want some Armagh voices telling you what they thought should have happened with those long balls going in, the, raining in. Like the the thing for Galway, like it was um, maybe it's just like lazy analysis, but it, it definitely felt that you know if if Armagh could like stop Conroy and Walsh and Comer, you you could they would have stopped Galway, and that goes for for every team. And maybe I'm not sure is it just because the lads have been around with the team a little bit longer than some of the other players, but it definitely feels that there's kind of like a B side to this Galway team, or, or it feels that way. Yeah. But they all stepped up yesterday, like McDade. Finnerty yeah. uh, and Tierney. They were, they were the three for me where it was like, okay, this is an arrival moment for those three players where uh, you know they can disprove that they're not of the quality of those three aforementioned players, that they can be the leaders of a team, aka and, uh, having enough players now yeah. to go in All-Ireland. But maybe they're overthinking games. Maybe they're trying to manage games and they're not quite at the standard of team who are able to manage games. They just need to keep doing what they were doing as opposed to, oh, we're going to turn into Dublin here and play keep ball for the last seven minutes of the game and, and bore the... Because they can't do it. They have, they've been blatantly unable to do it as opposed to trying to continue going for it and trying to score. So we'll come back to that because we've loads of time to talk about Galway. Um, an unbelievable game to be at. Not good for Galway men's heart on the incident. Looks like pushing and shoving before the gouge. A few punches thrown by Galway subs. Uh, Kelly should be okay for Derry? I think so. I can't see... Oh man, he has like, to play. Uh, Anthony Ryan says in every other tunnel teams go in and out of the same tunnel why is this too much to ask for in GAA I don't know I mean I think in a lot of other sports aren't actually you're not you're not like hopping off your direct opponent it's not like part of the rules where you're literally allowed to shoulder your direct opponent to try and knock him down like in soccer you can just about get away with that but it never happens so like you know it's a it's a it's a completely different thing uh, GA brings new meaning to the term tunnel vision says Kenny the dad brawl aside Rian O'Neill what a player says Philip Dolan like I mean unfortunately Rian O'Neill's equaliser which should be one of the all time great GA moments is going to be like the, the C or D story from everything that happened but like what a you know yeah I'll do this no problems and um, Coulter didn't let them take the quick free kick they get the free kick and they kick it backwards and then Coulter tells them stop no you got to retake that free kick and then they realise actually we can pop this over the bar. That I I don't know. Like I mean, it, does that circle us back to the first half of this game? Are man not believing that they can you know actually rack up a bit of a score here? Not actually uh, capitalising on a bit of dominance, as I said against uh, um, Galway in that first half. Not knowing that in that moment <laughs> you have a person you can kick the ball over the bar. Like um, I don't know. It's like it's at the end of an absolutely mental game, so I'm sure that it's hard to be completely thinking clear. Owen Hurley says, "Lads are too ballsy because they know they'll be pulled apart. Should just do what ice hockey does and let them at it. Give them two minutes in the sin bin to chill out afterwards. Third man in gets a red. Uh, slight concussion issue around that. You know, lots of people have had um, CTE as a result of uh, multiple beatings that they've taken in ice hockey. Um, cause of the scuffle." And any egregious provocation can get looked at by the fourth official. Uh, oh, Philip Nolan says, sure, look, the gouger took a thumb from the Galway sub immediately afterwards. Job done, move on. There was a bit of uh, rough justice 
handed out. Uh, anyone else notice the guard in the top corner of the picture with his arm folded? Well, there was there was another guard who was like getting involved, who was like pushing people apart, going here. What? Well, stop this, lad! Stop it! Um, she was at least doing her job. The rest of them were like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they're told not to do anything. Maybe they're actually told if you do get involved, then it becomes a guard matter. Whereas actually, your job is to police the crowd. The, mm. the, the sporting event is is looked after. I don't know. It's all a bit of a grey area, isn't it? Yeah. Like, like, could you could you could you whip out the bat on and start wading in on the lads? Going, stop it! Come back! Come back! Can you imagine that? Your man, like everybody. Because if this happened on the street, that's what they'd be doing. Everybody the, getting pepper sprayed. Yeah. Uh, Jack Emeraldo says some of the <laughs> some of the fight promotions have neutral ninjas all dressed in black. They jump in and they pull the lads apart. That would be amazing. Can you imagine the list of volunteers? Who, who's your neutral like every every corner boy from every small town in Ireland volunteering to come up dressed all in black with their their gimp mask on to get in and be the one to pull them off <laughs> right lots of comments coming in we need to move on what's next uh, we're going to be coming back to that game in a sec I feel we might run out of time but uh, let's just move to Mayo because they're also in the red this morning because they were bad yesterday and like there's probably wider questions that are going to be asked around Mayo over the next little while, James Horne didn't really um, kind of like comment on any of those issues yesterday, as you might expect. Right after the game, he wasn't going to make an emotional response to questions around his future, around players' future. And to be honest, it's not up for him to be talking for the players' futures anyway. For some of them, that might be deciding whether or not they're in or out for next year. It does feel that this could be the end of Horne Mark II? Like it, it does feel like this is a is a big old climb next year for them to get back to an All Ireland final again. Granted, they were missing a couple of players yesterday and that definitely impacted their season somewhat the injuries that they have sustained and it's been a bit of a turbulent season for them but it does feel this is kind of a little bit of a uh, full stop uh, in in the current part of of, of Mayo and, and their story it feels like something new has to happen for them to get back to the All-Ireland final next year this is they were just so bad yesterday and like maybe some people did see it coming I thought that I thought there was a higher level of performance in them um, and it just didn't happen especially in that second half they were abysmal in the second half. When it was right there for them, when the opportunity had presented itself, they couldn't take it. Like, that's the end of the golden generation of Mayo football. It is officially over. Whatever happens next is a new generation and it's a new it's a new team. But, like, that team that we came to know and love as the main team that went toe-to-toe with the dubs is over. And I think, like... I, they, they've, there's nothing that they can do I, the point you make about the injuries right and I, I see some of the Mayo people who are good Mayo football fans who are like ah hang on a second now we didn't have our full team out you never have your full team out you really never have your full especially team out especially not this year in any situation though ever yeah. do you know like you know Kerry have their best player playing on one wing and some other issues around selection at the moment the Dubs have you know the two of their two most important players out but they're still going on like that's what happens you, you know there's never been a year where all the Mayo players were all fully fit and all available at one time because that's how the game works. And so you can't point to the injuries as being the thing, oh, next year it's going to be grand because of the injuries because other players will just get injured. That's they, they don't have the strength and depth to be able to do it. Their biggest opportunity, it turns out, was last year and they couldn't do it. And then this year, when the opportunity was there for them again against a, a Kerry side who were sputtering because they actually haven't had the challenge that they need or the football that they need, and weren't performing particularly well they still couldn't get it done and in the end they weren't even close to getting it done they got absolutely annihilated really yesterday once you kind of parse what happened Kerry were ruthless Mayo weren't Kerry are a far superior team to this Mayo team and 
Therefore, Mayo are no longer in the conversation as All-Ireland contenders. No matter what happens next year, go and win the league. I still won't trust you. Like, I actually won't trust this Mayo team again until they're climbing the steps because they can't do it. Like, I do think, though, the last couple of years, like getting to those two All-Ireland finals, like, unless it's just been a dramatic drop-off this year. They'd be Tipperary in the semi-final. Yeah, and, I, I and, know. Like, you know, like... I, I think he just kind of they beat Dublin in the semi-final big man through COVID so fair enough they beat the Dubs last year but like I, uh, I think that there is like I just I'm not, I'm not saying like I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying what you're saying is wrong but I just feel that there is this notional thing with Mayo about their ceiling like what can this group of players achieve and well I they can't that, kick the ball over the bar from scoring positions and yet they still beat one of the greatest teams of all time last year so what does that say like I mean if you can't kick the ball over the bar and you're still beating Dublin like that to me suggests a team with a ceiling that is greater than what we saw yesterday. Like I don't, I don't think yesterday is a real representation it seems of where Mayo be. should be at. But like they were, and they were horrible against Kildare. Like they were really fluky to win that yeah. game. Like yeah. they, they should have gone out in the last round. And that's like that's the level they're at at the moment. They're a quarter final team at the moment. They're playing like a quarter final team. I think that the Mayo fans could possibly have expected a little bit more from them this year. Like and granted, once you draw Kerry in a quarter final. You're not favoured to win that game. Kerry could well go on to win the All Ireland, and that that could uh, they may look back and say that they were always going to lo- lose that game. It just feels there's they're, like have they absolutely maximised everything, even uh, given the injuries this year? I wonder. Like, is like w- was there a style of play going to be something that would give Kerry serious problems? I don't yesterday? know about that. That's a good question. Like, Ke- Kevin McLaughlin absolutely needs to nail that goal opportunity in the first half, and and he doesn't. But like that comes down to one person in one moment, and in a big day in Croke Park, that ball can easily fly over the bar. Paul Ganey absolutely botched a brilliant opportunity in the first half as well. So to me, the game plan wasn't set up in a way to unlock that Kerry defence enough to give Mayo good quality goal chances and they needed to score goals to be Kerry granted Kerry do not give up goal chances at the moment so that's a very difficult thing to do but I just feel the, the, the Mayo style of play that would have given Kerry lots of problems in 2017 would not give Kerry problems uh, yesterday and uh, it probably turned out that way This has the bang of the Germany annihilation of England when Frank Lampard scored the goal that should have been given but wasn't given and that was the end of the golden generation that's the end of that team I think as far as that, that team goes Alamar says the point about the injuries in Mayo they were missing their best two scoring forwards in O'Donoghue and Conroy but last year they were missing Killian and he was their best scoring forward and the previous year somebody else was injured and that's the thing like somebody's always going to be injured you're always going to be missing some of your best players that's how this goes some players will walk away some players will take time off like that's just that's just the rules of engagement when it comes to Gaelic football you never have a full deck to deal with so stop whining about not having a full deck and deal with the deck that you have and then come at us and say okay well we're good enough and there, there isn't time anymore in the condensed season to allow these injuries to, to heal. Uh, I think probably a backdoor route is more taxing now given the, the condensed season. We saw that all four provincial winners did win at the weekend. Granted, stats like that, we can sometimes get carried away and, and overanalyze it. But, but maybe we'll see over the next couple of years if the split season continues that that actually is the way to go. You need to be winning your province to win the All-Ireland. So, um, yeah, like I think the, the injuries thing, it, it did impact Mayo. Just like partic- just the exact type of injuries they got. They might have sustained even an Oshin Mullen injury better than they would have uh, sustained a Ryan O'Donoghue injury just given uh, the lack of score, scores in the forwards. And I know Mayo people are pissed off ra- around that analysis of you don't have scores in the forwards because, you know, the backs and their scores all count as well. It's not about forwards versus backs. It's about the volume of scores. Yeah. Having options on the pitch, you well, can get scores. It's actually about players who you know are going to hit 70, 75%. 
Like, if you've got Killian O'Connor who's missing straightforward freeze, you know it's going to be a very, very difficult day. Now, the flip side is, when you've got Aidan O'Shea pinging over 45 yards, uh, efforts off the outside of the boot, you start to think it is going to be Mayo's day. So, very Mayo is probably the conclusion on, on all of that. Yeah, Mayo-esque. It's, um, it's a bit spursy. Right, next. Penalties, Amber. I'm not having penalties in the red, um, you know, because that seems to be the conclusion. I think, isn't it, that you know, penalties bad, penalties soccer, penalties not yeah, a GEA. So, shut up. Um, I think like. we've got to separate how sorry we feel for our with whether or not penalties is, is good or a bad idea. It was brilliant. Now, I think that like, uh, was it a toss to, to decide what, which end it was? I don't know. I presume so. Or was it just always going to be at that end? I don't know. Is it like is there a, a cameras or something issue? I don't know. But certainly into the hill, like it's iconic. It's a big opportunity missed. It, in Croke Park, though, was iconic enough for me. Like I just kind of like trying to absorb as much of this as possible. I'd never seen a penalty shootout live in GEA before, and even just like little bits, like seeing the Croke Park scoreboard working as normal. Like a uh, four nil to one nil sort of thing. Is that with what the, it did? Yeah. With the goals, the tally in brackets, so it was like twelve three uh, <laughs> as, a, as the penalties were actually happening. Which I was, and also the umpire going <laughs> when the Galway man or the Armagh man hit the post and it went wide. You know, they'd lost basically, and the umpire still waved it wide. And it was like uh, rubbing salt into the Armagh wounds, like St- Stephen Campbell crying on the turf, and the umpire going wide. You uh, or, actually no, that was a point. Did he? Did, did the umpire uh, wave the white flag? I'm not. I'm not quite sure. Um, but what yeah, just the, the little kind of um, the, the the Croke Park specifics of it all was was very very enjoyable. I think penalties absolutely has uh, a place in the GEA. It is a rule that exists in open play. Um, like people, like I, I don't understand the thing that it's like a, not. Oh, a skill it's not that a skill they practice. practice. Like it turns out they do. Turns out they do. Galway were practicing exactly. all year. Exactly. It turns out they do practice it. And they should be practicing it. And it makes sense to practice. And it's part of the rules. And everybody knew what the rules of engagement were before the competition started. So, like, you didn't care that much about it when it came up for conversation the first time around. Okay, so now you've seen it. Fair enough. You have an opinion. Great. Welcome. And, and maybe Golden Score would be better. Maybe Golden it would be better. So interesting. But, uh, like, come on. The one Go- thing I would say is that, like, as on a selfish level, I mean, that, that open play, extra time, and second half of, of normal time, they were just brilliant like brilliant times of football like and you just want more of that yeah, and like I mean we were talking about Kerry Mayo 2014 in the show last week like Kerry Mayo 17 all the great Kerry or Mayo Dublin uh, replays a replay does have like an epic feel to it as well two games it's like kind of like a multi-game series it feels brilliant like I wonder if actually you get to a certain stage in the season it does go replay and then for the second replay for the for the replay then you have the penalty shootout option well, that's what they're doing for the All-Ireland Final right? Is that what it is, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't realise that. So, so that, that that could be the solution for once you get to the knockout stages. But like, I mean, no time in the calendar for a replay here, though. Like right? we got, yeah, we've got to realise why penalties were brought in. Penalties were brought in because we wanted more definition in the GEA calendar. We wanted to know when a conclusion would begin and when it would end. And I guess if people are complaining about you know uh, club fixtures being pushed back all the time, then like penalties and winner of the day was a solution to it. And I do. It's like really, really unique, and I, I was so happy when the game went to penalties on on the Sunday because like it's just not something I'd seen before. One last point about this, and and uh, so Armagh go a point up, right? Uh, why didn't they just do what Dublin did and squash pull everybody, everybody down? What? Pull, pull everybody yeah. to the ground? Yeah. So because I was and, expecting and, that and, to happen, and the ball is down. It, like it's it's a goalway kickout. Mm. Why didn't they just at that point black card everybody? Come on, ref. What are you gonna do? Like yeah, yeah. Because if if. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe Galway can work a goal, but it's very unlikely. 
And where does where does the ball get restarted from? If everybody does it at the same time, I thought it was the most armad thing of all time to just like right, everybody here we go. Maybe they hadn't got. Maybe you know, like that. That's just part of a team's development. That actually, the, the, the little bit at the end of the knockout game in Crow Park is actually something hard to figure out. Like, which I think maybe makes Derry's performance, which we'll get to in, in a moment, all the more extraordinary on Saturday. Is that um, we have two which, minutes left here, Max? Yeah, they just showed up to Crow Park and just pumped Clare. Like, I mean, it was just. They also delightedly. One of my favorite things that they've done is like punctured the hole. Oh, Derry will win nothing like that in Crow Park, and then they're like, what? So teams who are really good defensively who come through the Ulster Championship, they've, they've got a really bad record in Crock Park, don't but, they? Be, oh, no, wait, hang on a second. They don't. To be fair, no, I'll, I'll hold my hands up and say on Friday morning, I, I said Derry Clare is going to be a lot closer than people expect. I was completely wrong. Completely wrong. I did expect Clare to give Derry a serious rattle. And it was because they went to Crock Park and they beat Roscommon a couple of weeks previous. And I wouldn't necessarily have thought certainly at the outset of the year that Roscommon had that much off Derry so I just thought it was going to be a much better game I did also say though that Derry get an early goal this could be um, it, it's obviously going to be a Derry win and that's exactly what happened the early goal it's not just the, the volume of goals that Derry are scoring it's the timing of them getting early goals Rory Gallagher just goes absolutely ballistic on the sideline well it's amazing everywhere and yeah. like just uh, like it's ma- it is amazing <laughs> he looked look like it's it, 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 from it's minute one higher and higher and higher and higher how does he follow it up from minute one this championship uh, Derry have looked like they're on a path that is just going to end in them winning the All Irelands. Uh, like I'm, I, I am convinced that the Dublin Kerry side of the draw will not want this team in the final. No, they want Galway. I, I think they do. They want Galway. But at the same, by the same token, I could very much see Galway winning the semi final. The, the one thing I'd be just really concerned about is just the way Armagh pumped loads of high ball in on top of that Galway goalkeeper and got massive goal opportunities off it. Derry with Route One score a lot of goals. That could be uh, a perfect storm in a very very bad way for Galway we'll come back to this a little bit later on because we've got Anthony Moyles outside we've got Aaron Kernan coming on a little bit later on so plenty of time to talk about Derry who else is in green Patrick Harrington US Senior Open Champion first major on the over 50s tour won it last night at Saucon Valley uh, you know walking around the greens fist pumping on his uh, back nine like like things got pretty nervous for him in, in the in the latter stages of, of this tournament he took a five shot lead into the final day ended up winning by one it was Steve Stricker that he beat obviously uh, Stricker getting one over Patrick Harrington as captain of the Ryder Cup last year you could kind of feel that the American golf t- commentators wanted Stricker to win so Harrington you know was uh, the big up yours to, to American golf commentators 720 grand yeah. not bad for a week's work in your 50s yeah not bad I was, I was trying to wonder like how, how is he so nervous when this guy's actually won uh, majors before and I was like oh that, that would make sense when you've got uh, 700 grand on the line so there's only um, four other players who've won the British Open and the US Seniors Open and they're Arnold Palmer Gary Player Jack Nicholas, and Lee Trevino so Project Harrington joins a pretty exclusive list yeah you didn't think it was uh, possible to further embellish his reputation but it is right that is this week's Gillette Labs performance rankings OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette 